0: Hey, I'm Cassidy Brooke, a full-time equine photographer with a passion for helping other photographers create the life of their dreams. When I abruptly quit my corporate job without any idea of what I was going to do, I suddenly found myself picking up a $400 camera, downloading a free app on my iPad, and taking photos of any horse I could get in front of my camera. That little hobby sparked a six-figure business, which allows me to live life on my terms. Now, I'm here to help you grow your photography business so that you can make your wildest dreams your reality. This is the Equine Photography Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Equine Photography Podcast. Today, I am joined by Kirsten Ziegler, but not in an interview fashion. In a Kirsten is going to be a weekly co-host of this podcast.
1: So Kirsten, welcome to your show. I got what I wanted. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just talking to you weekly. (laughs) I know. I feel
0: like this is kind of like selfishly for me too, because we do have like a really good back and forth and it's nice to like talk to a friend, but make it like specifically about photography. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're just like bringing other people in on the conversations we might be having, anyways.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So today we're going to talk about equipment. And I feel like we have a really Good combination on this because I use all Nikon stuff and Kirsten shoots with all Canon, so we can kind of talk about both main types of equipment.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think the biggest thing is it's just you know <laughs> whatever floats your boat. <laughs> we yeah. all drive different cars. No one all has to drive the same car. We all have our preferences, so.
0: Yeah, I think I've had that message so many times when people are like, should I buy Nikon or should I buy Canon? And I'm like, I've just like the first $400 camera that I bought just happened to be a Nikon. Like, I think it was on sale or something at Target at the time when I was like looking to buy a camera. So I just stuck with Nikon because like I knew where the buttons were, but it's not like Nikon equipment is going to do anything that crazy different than Canon equipment is going to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think... You know, the technologies are pretty similar there. There's no one manufacturer who's just like blowing everyone else out of the water. Yeah <laughs> like everyone has pretty similar um, bodies and a lens lineup um, you know, there's also strengths and weaknesses um between each one, but are they that noticeable? Not really. Yeah. I, I think like- the, oh, I think the biggest thing that I've only noticed is like, the colors a little bit, but they're not even that noticeable.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's drastic enough to where it's going to be noticeable. And like everybody's editing in Lightroom and Photoshop anyways. And I feel like the important thing is knowing the equipment that you do have, not what brand equipment you have, you know, that's, what's going to make you successful. It's not like, Oh, I bought a Canon and I should have bought a Nikon. So I would have been a much more successful photographer. Like you're never going to hear that.
1: No, it's just being well-versed and being able to use the tool that you have.
0: Yeah, exactly. So So why don't you talk about like what your like Canon setup is and maybe even just like what you started with, if somebody's just getting into it and wants something a little less like expensive than what you have now.
1: Yeah. So I think my very first uh, DSLR was the Canon uh, 60D, which was a crop sensor. And I used a 50 millimeter lens, which because of the crop sensor, it made it more like an 85 ish. I don't know the actual conversion, but it made it more like an 85 millimeter. Um, and then I upgraded from that to the 60 and had that until, until I got my R5. So I really went from the Honda civic to the Ferrari, (laughs) but, um, that 60 is amazing. I actually can't part with it. I have it sitting up on my shelf. Um, it's still, I would say like one of the best, you know, cameras I've ever handled. Um, it performed really well in low light. Um, I, yeah, I think you'd look at my portfolio and be like, you took that with a $400 body. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, um, That just goes to
0: show though, like you can do so much without, you know, you don't need a freaking $7,000 camera body to be successful in this.
1: No, no, you don't. Um, It really is just the settings. And as long as the specs, you know, aren't going to hold you back, I think that's really important. Um, I was feeling kind of limited with my 60. The, I think it's, I don't even know how many megapixels it is. I think it's like 18 or 20 megapixels, um, but cropping in was getting a little difficult with my black backgrounds that, uh, nothing was really quite as crisp as I liked. Um, but I, I did of course, like really like the camera and still do. Um, and my current setup is the Canon R5 mirrorless with the 85 millimeter F2 F1.2. And that's pretty much my dream setup. I don't <laughs> I have one other lens, which is the 135, but in Arizona, you can rarely get you can rarely get far enough back to use it. But I would, I do like to slap it on there every now and then.
0: Yeah. I say I for the longest time like only used my 135. And then I switched to using my 85 one day. I don't really remember why. And now it's like i I almost like the look of the 135 better. Like, I don't know, the book is like a little bit. Like softer and like creamier, and there's not like the Mm -hmm. lines in the bokeh in the 135. But I now I'm like, oh my God, I'm a hundred miles away from my like client when I'm using the 135. Mm -hmm. It's like a struggle because I oftentimes like I'll put it on one of my camera bodies and I'm like, oh, I'm going to use it today. And then I'm like, I really don't want to be that far away from somebody.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think for myself, I really like to capture, you know, the big picture a lot of the time and it's really hard to get far enough back to capture that big picture with the 135. Yeah, you got to um, have like
0: 12 miles of like empty space to be able to get like a full pic like the the landscape around you and everything with the 135.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I do notice a difference in the quality of the images with the native body um RF mirrorless lens versus the Sigma. I think I just get it's so crisp with the canon lens like it is so sharp it looks so good
0: <laughs> yeah you can tell yeah
1: so it's, i've got your human in for those black backgrounds yeah the detail
0: i have uh several cameras right now i have a uh, nikon z6 and z6 ii which are both mirrorless cameras and i have a nikon d750 that doesn't do anything with its life but sit on a <laughs> shelf but my very first camera was a Nikon D3300. That was like $400 on sale. And it came, I want to say it was like an 18 to 120 zoom lens. And it was all wrong for what I needed, but I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) So I just got like, you know, the little like kit that has everything in it. And I was like, Oh, this is all I'll ever need. And I edited on my little iPad and the Nikon D3300. I mean, I'm very grateful for it because it, I mean, I booked paid photo shoots with it, but like that thing, now that I look back at it I'm like it did not handle low light well at all, which is like, I mean, obviously that was a very inexpensive camera, but now my, my Z6, like I can shoot at an ISO of like 16,000 and still mm-hmm. have usable images. And that D3300, I swear if I went above like 400, it was like just grainy and a yeah. whole mess.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: It's. I think I, like, I feel like people get so hung up though on needing like the nicest equipment right away. But when you first start out, there are things about a $400 setup that you're not going to notice are off. And it's like, as you learn more and as you grow and start to notice things and you know, want a little bit sharper of an image, like then upgrade, but don't feel like you can't start being a photographer or even doing it professionally until you have thousands of dollars worth of equipment.
1: Yeah. And I would even recommend like starting out. I, this is a hot take. I wouldn't recommend a mirrorless because it almost is like cheating because it gives you what it looks like in the viewfinder. Mm -hmm. And I think you can kind of let your settings slip in the beginning because you're like, oh, it looks fine. But really you're shooting at like a really slow shutter and, you know, your aperture is not where you want it to be, but it looks fine in the viewfinder. Um, But also for tricky lighting situations, like I feel like you almost need to learn By trial and error, I feel like that's the best way to learn, and then you can reward yourself with a mirrorless (laughs) once you're really confident.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I'm with you, and I also don't like. I mean, if you just have like you know whatever, no budget, and just the disposable income to spend whatever you want on a camera, yeah, like YOLO, buy every camera, buy a ten thousand dollar setup and a forty thousand dollar lens, like, and go out and you know whatever, going on African safari and shoot stuff that's like twelve miles away. But I mean, I think. You know, starting with something that's kind of basic and it has, it's like relatively low risk, you know, like starting with a $400 camera when you're going to a barn to be around horses, like have the less expensive camera that you can make the mistakes with. And like, you know, don't just jump right into several thousand dollars setup unless it's just absolutely nothing to you, but don't go and like take out debt to buy the nicer camera when you're first starting out.
1: You don't need to learn how to drive in a Ferrari, and you shouldn't like how,
0: <laughs> learn how to drive in a Ferrari. Like it makes your life harder, you know.
1: Yeah. Nope.
0: Yeah. There's no point in having a Ferrari that you're just going to drive in automatic, anyways, right? Like you should know like the ins and outs of your Honda Civic before
1: you jump to the front. your manual Honda Civic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I have uh 70 to 200, an 85, a 135. And another random zoom, like a 20, I think maybe a 24 to 120 or something like that, that came with my Nikon D750. I I always say, like, the lens that I use the most now is the 85 millimeter. They're, the Sigma, I mean, the 85 and the 135 are both the Sigma, which I really like. I have the converter for my mirrorless camera, so I can keep the same lenses I used with the D750. But That's like, I am with my Sigma too. Yeah. The adapter. Yeah. I use my 85 millimeter the most, I only use my 70 to 200 for shooting shows, but I always tell like new photographers, if I had to pick just one lens to buy, like if I couldn't have any lens that I wanted, I would choose a 70 to 200 because it is like the most versatile, like for doing everything I do. I couldn't do it with the 85 millimeter. So even though like, yeah, it's my favorite lens right now, if I had to narrow it down and just pick one, like the 70 to 200, you're going to be able to, you know, shoot at 85 millimeters. You can shoot at 135. You have the like zoom feature so you can shoot action that you're just not like, if you can only buy one lens buying, you know, an 85, unless you're just going to be doing portraits and you don't want to do anything else is maybe an okay idea. But I would, I mean, I would say like the 70 to 200 is the way to go. It's so versatile.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I almost bought one yesterday.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I kind of love that. Um, I know, I, I only
1: know. bought one yesterday, but I have a very large horse show coming up in two weeks. So I was like, Not the right time. Not good timing. I'm going to yeah. go horse show instead. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I feel like,
0: you know, the 7200, the aperture on mine is like 2.8, which is pretty much the lowest you're going to find for 70 to 200. And it's still honestly, when I'm, even though like my 85 goes to 1.4, I can still get really beautiful images with really great bokeh. The
1: 2.8. Yeah. 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 I've shot them. What I usually do is when I know that I'm going to need it, I'll rent it um so anytime doing action like for my job um when I'm doing the team roping stuff I have them rent me the 70 to 200 2.8 and it's perfect for that job totally
0: that's actually Um, a really good point too is renting lenses like I still have rented lenses just before I buy something I typically will rent it like I have a local camera store to me that I it's like five minutes from my house I can go in and pick a lens up and it's like depending on what lens it's between like hundred, 150 to rent for the whole week. And mm-hmm. it's really convenient, a great way to test it out and to not have to have 15 different lenses in my bag.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good point too. Cause that's what I do for weddings. So yeah, my 85 and my R5 are like married. Um, but when I have those events, weddings, or, you know, anytime that I'm going to need something that isn't in my bag, I rent it because I cannot justify spending, you know, another six grand on my second body and lens for a wedding when I can rent it for the weekend for 250 bucks, like yeah, <laughs> kind of a no brainer.
0: Oh, for sure. Like so. I, I used to think like, I almost used to be, this is so stupid and I kind of can't believe I'm admitting <laughs> it, but I used to be like embarrassed to rent a lens because it was like, Oh, I don't just own my own lens. You know, like I had this, like, I don't know. That's such like a stupid thought. And like, I still, I've been doing this for like five years and I still rent lenses. Like I have a 70 to 200 and a couple of weeks ago, I decided to rent the actual like Nikon Z 70 to 200. So I didn't have to use the converter because I was like, you know what? I want to see like, is it faster? Is it going to get better images for my clients when I'm at horse shows and doing action stuff? So I had literally left the 70 to 200 that I own in my bag and rented one because like, that's just, it's a really smart financial move.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a good way to test, um, kind of what your style and your vibe is like, we're kind of saying that we're in love with our 85s, but you might be like the seventy two hundred is never coming off of my camera body because I am obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> and you always shoot at 200 and like, you love it. Totally, I think that it's just kind of, you know, whatever floats your boat. Yeah.
0: And I feel like it is very like area dependent too, because like you said, like you don't have the room to do that most of the places in North Carolina that I go, I have so much room and I can, you know, be really far away. But then going down to like Wellington, like oftentimes you have like a, you know, very small area that you're shooting in and a 135 would simply not work. Yeah. So I think knowing your area and like where you're going to be shooting is a really important factor in purchasing the
1: lens. For sure. And I think um, a lot of these kit lenses, they're more of a wide angle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I always think is it is a good one to have in your bag if you're, you know, doing a lot of families and stuff like that. Um, but if that's all you have, I'd probably invest in something a little bit longer because it does distort the horses, but it can be fun. I have played with a 24 to or 28 to 70 with horses before. It just looks really editorial and it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different vibe, you know, but it, again, that could just be your vibe and like what makes you unique, like just because, you know, most equine photographers right now are shooting with the Sigma 85 or a 70 to 200. Like that doesn't mean that's what you have to do, but, you know, being aware of things like lens distortion and being aware of the space around you is important, but like there Mm -hmm. are really like photography is art, you know, like, yeah. There's no rules. If you're just starting out and you want to like kind of go by the book and follow the rules, I would probably say buy an 85 millimeter and or a 70 to 200 to just like, that's a great starting place, but yeah, have fun, rent other lenses, see what style like works for you and your vibe. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Thousand (laughs) percent.
0: Anything else like equipment wise, like I'm thinking like having lots of batteries Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like I have like five batteries. And even when I shoot all day long at a show, like I go through like two or three, that is one downside I'll say to, I don't know if your mirrorless is like that, but mine burns through a battery much quicker than my DSLR did.
1: Yeah. My R5 burns through them pretty quick. Um, I also, when I rent the R6, it doesn't do it as quick. Cause I, I double fist for weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also sharing the load between them. And I don't think I've ever had to swap out a battery on either of them at a wedding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, like you might think like, oh, I need to have like 15 batteries, but honestly, probably like, if you have one camera, you probably need two or three batteries. If you have two cameras, maybe four. Yeah. Having lots of SD or XQD cards for your camera.
1: um, Yep. Oh, I know something else I was going to say. Yes. I, cause I see it all the time. People are like R6 or R5. <laughs> it the doesn't matter. Debate. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. It's whatever you want to, um, whatever your budget can allow the old, cause I, I've shot them both extensively. I own the R5. Could I have gone with R6 and not complained 110%? <laughs> Um I think the only thing that really comes in handy is if I'm shooting further away and I need to crop in that's the time that the R5 really is shining. Yeah. But the science that Don't stretch it just because the specs are better and it glitzes and sparkles. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good point. Totally fine.
0: (laughs) Like that's, so the Nikon Z6 is the mirrorless. I have like the one step above it is the Z7. It's similar to like the D750 that I have. The D850 is like the next step up. But when you look at the specs of things, like you kind of need to look into what you need it for because I was going to go with the Z7 just because I'm like, oh, that's the more expensive, fancier one. But it was actually a little bit slower, like the specs on it, it shoots a little bit slower. And for action stuff, which I do a decent amount of, I wanted to go with faster. So even though it had like more megapixels and maybe the screen was a half a centimeter larger, I went with the Z6 II instead of the Z7, because I'm like, well, that's honestly something that's super important to me is that it shoots as fast as it came. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't just go with the expensive one because you think like, that's going to be a game changer for you.
1: Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It really what? isn't.
1: What's going to work.
0: Yeah. Some of my favorite, uh, like black backgrounds when I first started, like I, I had my D3300 for a little while, which was like really crappy, but some of my favorite, like first black background pictures were with that D3300. Like you can create great work with any camera.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And um, I was just gonna say one more thing with the R5 versus R6 battle, I can send anyone a gallery from a wedding and you won't be able to tell the difference. You won't yeah. know which of which shooting with both cameras.
0: From. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many more things to focus on, like get as high quality of a body as you can without it being a stressful thing. Like without being like, Oh, am I going to be able to make payments on this every month and get an 85 millimeter or 70 to 200. And like, you don't need a bag full of lenses and bodies to be successful in this. Like you can have one lens and one body and still do amazing work.
1: The one thing I did wish I did was um, upgraded my glass before I got my new body because, um, with my 6d, I was shooting with like the 85 1.8 or whatever, like the $400 lens. And I had a couple others, but, and I I had the Sigma at that time as well. The 135, which was my best lens. But then when I swapped to my fancy new $4,000 camera body and put a $400 lens on it, Like what's the point? Like yeah, the autofocus was great, and my keep rate like jumped insane. But it still was like a four hundred dollar lens. It was like putting, (laughs) you know, bike tires on your Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Man, your
0: analogies (laughs) with the Ferrari are like on point today.
1: (laughs) It's the best (laughs) analogy I have. It really is. But so I would say. If you know you're already eyeing, like, a better body, just upgrade your glass first and wait a while. Yeah. yeah. The glass will, the glass will retain its value. Like, I wish I would have gotten the, like, um, the 85 1.2 for the, the EF mount to start. And then I could have used the adapter. And then it would have actually felt, you know, pretty good and more sharp and done the R5 justice. Because then when I got the RF lens, it was like you were like, like, Oh, I messed God. up. Yeah. <laughs> I should have bought a better lens before I did this. Oh, totally.
0: And I think another thing, I mean, maybe we'll, I'm just like rambling at this point, but I the thoughts are coming up as we're talking <laughs> and like, what happens, when
1: we don't plan.
0: <laughs> we're just like shooting from the hip. Uh, the I've bought lenses used before from my <laughs> local camera store. And like, I think BH has lens, like used lenses, like a lens, yeah. like is something that I would absolutely say, like, especially if you're really trying to like, you know, keep costs down, like buy a lens used 110%.
1: Yeah. They, especially if you can get them from a certified retailer, because they look them over and it's better than buying them like off Craigslist. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've bought from my
0: local camera store and they, they even have like a 30 day return period and I can save like hundreds of dollars on a lens and it's, you know, a lens isn't really something like as long as it's been kept nice and does not have like scratches all over it. Like nobody's yeah. going to know if you bought the lens from, you know, new in the box or if you purchased it used. So like save the money, by the used lens.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know. I think we've uh, gone almost. over everything. Is there any like other, I, I guess like, I mean, I have, tripods for when I do video and my favorite one is like the $20, like Amazon basics tripod. I just feel like a tripod isn't something you need to spend like $500 on.
1: Okay. <laughs> but Kirsten
0: might have a different no, thought on this. No,
1: no. I agree because, okay. So I had like two crappy tripods and then there was a good prime day deal on a better one because I was, I felt like my crappy tripods were getting a little too crappy. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to buy this one. That's on sale for prime day. I hate that thing. Dude. Me too. I have my 150 bucks and I think I've already gotten it too dirty to return it.
0: I know I I did the same thing. (laughs) I have like, literally it's like, it says like Amazon basics on it. I'm pretty sure it was under $20. And now Mm -hmm. I will say you do have to replace them fairly frequently. If you're as rough on stuff as I am, because like arena sand gets and like dirt Mm -hmm. gets caught in all the little like pieces. So then things don't move around as smoothly, but I I have like a $200 tripod that I was like, Oh, this thing is going to be amazing. It's going to take it to the next level. Oh no, I absolutely hate it. I can never get everything to like lock in place. There's way too many parts moving. It doesn't have like the little like pivot thing. It doesn't have, so I can go vertical easily. Like I
1: have to like, crank it. And then it feels like it's fighting me the whole time. Even enough research, but because I did want something just really nice and smooth for my video. Mm -hmm. And, uh, turns out my shaky hands are better.
0: And that's what I know. I keep trying. I even try, I've tried gimbals before and I recently tried another gimbal and I've come to the conclusion that using a gimbal with a lens that's long enough to do what I do, that's going to be, you know, heavy, and bulky and shooting vertical video with an 85 millimeter on a gimbal is just not going to happen. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) I think I've accepted that. I talked to somebody else who does quite a bit of video and they like hate their gimbal and got rid of it. And so uh, that's where I'm at with gimbals. I want a gimbal so bad. I want to love a gimbal. I want to have the coolest freaking transitions and I want to have capture all the action shots, but like, I don't know if somebody's sharing this and it's like, no, this is the gimbal for you, like, God, please message me on Instagram.
1: <laughs> please send Same. me an email. Like, uh, you are my hero. Does yeah. anyone have a great tripod? Yeah. Yeah. I like that isn't I, like a thousand dollars, please.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm way too rough on stuff to justify that. And I love, I mean, I've just been all about the handheld shots with my video. I just love the freedom.
1: I like being able to move up and down into the side.
0: Yeah, me too. I, and I feel like, so I have a camera cage too that I use sometimes and I like it. And I will say it's like, if I'm having like an over caffeinated day and I'm like super shaky and I just know like, oh God, like there's no chance that I am about to be able to get like smooth handheld shots. I'll use the camera cage, but on a day when I'm not like way over caffeinated and like didn't just eat candy and like sugar on my way to a photo shoot, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between the camera cage and my handheld shots. Like I'm fairly steady, keep my elbows locked in. And I don't know, I guess I have sort of a steady hand. Maybe I should have been a surgeon. (laughs) Probably not.
1: Terrified. I mean, you'd be able to afford really fancy horses. That's true.
0: That's true. And really fancy camera equipment. (laughs)
1: just <laughs> taking a weird be a surgeon for like 10 years pay off all your loans and then I mean but med school is like a really long time so you'd be yeah. like in your 60s you know what you of paid I, off to do photography and horses I
0: think I'm gonna scratch the whole surgeon idea okay <laughs> I think I'm gonna stick with photography and my steady handheld shots yeah there you go all right
1: I think that's all that I've got when it comes to I equipment think, yeah just I think the only kind of lasting piece of advice would be like, keep it simple, keep it simple. And then if you find that you have a hole or some limitation, then explore further options, but there's no shame in starting with one camera, one lens and moving from there.
0: A hundred percent. And something like that, what you just said made me think of is that like, I used to have like a bad shoot or didn't get all the stuff that I wanted or like I felt like oh I didn't nail it and so I would be like well I must need to buy a new lens if I just had the 135 you know then my photos that whole like session would have been great but like what I really needed to do was like learn I needed to shoot more I needed to grow my skills so don't get like caught up in like I'm not saying your lens can't make a difference because a hundred percent can like the 24 to 120 whatever 5.6 lens is never going to produce the images that, uh, 85, 1.4, 1.2 is going to. So like, yes, your lens can make a difference, but don't get caught in the trap of like, Oh, my pictures will like, that's all I need to do is just buy a nicer lens. And then I'll take better pictures because you also have to learn and grow your own skills.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I even it. look back at some of my old stuff and I, I never saw the limitations in my equipment. I only saw the limitations in my knowledge and my ability
0: that was a beautiful quote I'm definitely going to use that <laughs> that was like really like you're just you're nailing in today with your words why oh, you're the coast. <laughs> I loved that I'm definitely going to like write that down and use that as an Instagram post and pretend like I said it just kidding okay. I'll quote you. I'll
1: quote you. Fine. either way works for me <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Kirsten and I just like talk about <laughs> camera equipment. Like I hope you enjoyed just sitting with us and listening to our thoughts on camera equipment.
1: Yeah, that's fun.
0: Yeah. And get excited because this is happening like weekly now. Kirsten's going to be on. and We're going to be rambling about all kinds of stuff. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Don't tell us that you don't want to hear more of me. Otherwise I'll get sad.
0: No, you're, they (laughs) won't tell us that, but do tell us if you find a gimbal that will work for an 85 millimeter vertical video, please.
1: (laughs) Or anything else that you want to hear us ramble about and hot takes.
0: Totally. Yeah. Message us on Instagram, email us. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it. I think we've rambled it up. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Well folks. (laughs) I'm going to end it at that with like laughing and just (laughs) us going back and forth a million times. (laughs) I love it. Do you find yourself feeling completely overwhelmed every time you take out your camera to try and capture the magic you see all over social media? Do you struggle to get that beautiful golden hour glow in the pictures you're taking and spend hours trying to edit all to no avail? Does your mind totally blank out when you're at a photo shoot trying to pose someone? Or do you panic at the sheer thought of having to spend an hour and a half directing a client through a session? If any of these sound like you, keep listening. I can help. I created the Equine Photography Academy to be the resource to help equine photographers all the way from their day one to making their first six-figure year equine photography masterclass is here to give you the kind of rock solid foundation in equine photography that will have you charging for your very first shoot or increasing your current prices so you can finally start making the money you want in your photography business. The doors are opening for the first time in a long time to the equine photography masterclass on August 15th, but will close back up on the 19th. There's an exciting new live coaching program with industry experts who are ready to teach you the skills you need to make it all the way to the top. Don't want to miss out on this transformative masterclass. Go to the equine to add your name on the wait list. I can't wait to see you inside making all your dreams a reality.